This is ESPN College Football Analyst Rini Angolia, and you're listening to the Sports Objective Podcast, the unofficial podcast of the Pirates. Welcome into the Sports Objective, a very big night, as obviously we've got a preview coming up with the Pirates and basketball, the hardwood. We'll see if the Pirates can go 5-0. and we'll, we'll be talking to the coach of UNF of North Florida. Big game tomorrow, actually on Thursday, rather, uh, at 5 p.m., Williams Arena Menjis Coliseum. But first, guys, we got a big announcement that you heard, and we'll have Coach Ricky Bustle talking about the shame Shane Beamer going to Columbia, going to the Gamecocks of South Carolina with us right now. Kyle from the Grange Barber, a big fan of the Gamecocks, right? Not so much, but I'm a big fan of Shane Beamer. You know what's so funny <laughs> about Coach Beamer getting his first head, first head coaching job at the at an SEC school in South Carolina. Now, granted, he, he's been a couple places since back in uh, 2015 when we were looking for a head coach and he wanted our job. And uh, he, uh, he 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 begged Jeff Comfer for an interview, but Jeffrey Comfer, our former athletic director, didn't think Shane Beamer measured up to the standards, and uh, wouldn't even give him an interview. And here we are, five years later, and he's uh, he coaching the SEC. So uh, says a lot about Shane Beamer. Says a lot about Jeff Comfer. And it says a lot about how 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 low our program got to. And the good news is we have Mike Houston and uh, turning things around, right in the ship. Thank goodness. Uh, another guy that can write the ship any time is Bubba Rosenbaum. What's up, man? Not a whole lot, guys. I'm just finishing enjoying a little um, Lexington barbecue. I'm looking forward to talking some football and then East Carolina hoops. Oh, Lexington barbecue, Bubba. Yeah, I don't know about that, man. I mean, I know you're in that area, but being hey, an East Carolina guy, I don't know. I don't discriminate. You, you know I love bees. You know I love <laughs> any of the Eastern style, but uh, it's okay to like both. Coach, well, if you say so. <laughs> <laughs> that Eastern North Carolina barbecue is tough to beat now. Trust me. Yes, it is. You know, I, I do. I, I say that picking on him eating eating Lexington style barbecue, but uh, I, I I hate to tell the truth, but uh, I love Memphis style barbecue also. So yeah. When I was coaching at East Carolina with Ed Emery, every official visit weekend we had a pig pulled up outside his house. <laughs> every weekend, you're talking about about eight nine weekends in a row. It was always good. Who cooked your pigs back then? Did, did, I believe did, it was Parker's. Parker's. I think it was Parker's barbecue there. Oh man. Okay, Parker's. Okay, so y'all weren't yeah. y'all weren't doing your own uh, no, your own pig no. pig. <laughs> yeah, we were pig pig. We were picking. We was eating picking and eating. We were politicking on getting those uh, guys recruiting those guys to East Carolina, but tonight uh, want to celebrate Shane Beamer, coach, and I know you very know very well with. Obviously, your time at Virginia Tech is OC, and uh, I guess you actually got a chance with Coach Beamer, Frank Beamer. You got a chance to watch Shane grow up, right? Yeah, I did. I mean, uh, you know, when I first joined uh, with, in, with Frank, that uh, you know, Shane was, and we were talking a little bit earlier before the show, fifth, fourth, fifth grade, along in there, and you know, little skinny rascal and uh, all that good stuff like little kids are. But uh, you know, the next thing you know, you turn around some years later, and he's our long snapper. 
you know, and he, he came out there and joined the program and, and worked hard, but it became a heck of a long snapper for us. And Virginia Tech obviously had a has a great tradition, uh, Lane Stadium, and uh, and what a great home atmosphere, beautiful campus. Yeah, Virginia Tech. Thank a lot of Coach Beamer, Frank Beamer, that is, and obviously Shane Beamer. Uh, one of the questions I had, I know the guys uh, will talk about uh, the whole situation, but um, I would imagine one of the things I wanted to ask you tonight, Coach, I would imagine that. If your last name is Beamer, that means you're going to have your dad, Frank Beamer, helping you out. And don't you think you'll have a good? I would imagine you'll have a great coaching staff. I think he'll put together a, a really good staff. Uh, you know, Shane's been around uh, some good uh, head coaches. He's been around a lot of coaches, and you know, you prepare yourself for this day. He's probably had a list of guys when he got his head job that he would call first, just as I did when I became a head coach or anybody else. Um, you know, it takes a few years in the, in the coaching ranks to kind of start that list. And then, uh, but I'm sure he's got and his agent, I think is, uh, uh, Jimmy Sexton or somebody like that. I think that's his name. He's, you know, he's one of the top agents in the country. He's got all kinds of guys under him and I'm sure they'll put together a great staff, but I guarantee you coach Beamer is going to be involved. Now. Coach, um, Shane's been coaching the last couple of years, uh, under Lincoln Riley down at uh, Oklahoma. Um, obviously, Lincoln is known very well by East Carolina fans from when he was OC here in the Ruffin McNeil. Uh, Lincoln's office is terrific. Uh, people call it an air raid. It, it's not truly an air raid like Mike Leach runs because they do run right. the ball. Uh, but, you know, some rumors are that he wants to bring that kind of offense to South Carolina. And one of the names coming up for his offensive coordinator, who knows, it's all rumor at this point, is actually Lincoln's little brother, um, hmm. Garrett Riley who's the OC at uh, SMU. Uh, mm -hmm. what, what do you think about that style of offense in the SEC? You, you saw it a little bit this year at Mississippi State with Mike Leach. Granted, like I said, uh, the Lincoln Riley style does run the ball a little more. Yeah, I, I think as long as you can you know, run the football, and that's just I've always believed that, and, 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 and you don't need 10 different ways to run the football, but uh, you just need to run it 10 times you know, during the course of a game. But I think – yeah, I've watched Oklahoma play. I think they attack down the field more than, than Mike does at uh, Mississippi State because uh, it, it, it's hard to, to get to one of the quarterbacks that Mike leads his coach because they get the ball out so quick. And uh, I think uh, Oklahoma I'm, – I'm sure they do some of it, but I know they get the ball downfield more. And I'm sure – you know, I think it'll be – because you can get those kind of athletes at South Carolina. And it's just getting the right uh, trigger pull puller and, and surrounding with some players and uh, you know, get started with it. Another question that comes to mind is, Coach, uh, from your vantage point, how long do you think that – I know every situation is different on a rebuild um, or trying to turn things around. How hard is it at South Carolina? Do you think it's something in two or three years? I know it's hard to say, but is it – in other words, is it a quicker rebuild or you think it's going to be a – a lot longer. I know it's not a timeline on how yeah, long. Yeah, and, and that's hard because I don't know what's there. You know, I don't know what recruits they have there, what uh, guys uh, and to build that offensive around. Uh, and, and I know that they've got good skilled players, and they've, you know, I don't know how many they got. Um, and, and it'll take a little bit of recruiting to get exactly what he wants in there and make it met with what he's got. And, uh, you know, but I, I think you know, it's more recruiting years, hopefully, than just playing. But 
you know, you're probably right about, you know, three or so right there to kind of get the, everything that he wants in the program. One thing that could help Coach Beamer, in my opinion, you know, Will Muschamp was there. Uh, following Coach Muschamp, one thing you know they're going to have is some defensive talent. And no doubt. No doubt. If, I, if I was Shane, Coach, obviously you've been a head coach, so, so you could speak to this. While I'm, while I'm, you know, I think there'll be some adjustment periods on offense because they, they ran a more conservative style offense from what I think Beamer's going to want to run. But hiring mm-hmm. a good defensive coordinator could be the smartest thing he could do right now. Well, I, I think that's a, a, a big deal because I tell you what, defenses are getting scored on these days. I mean, this is, you know, this uh, offense that, that uh, we've all kind of gone to, it's scoring points. Uh, so it's not the day of, Pretty much of uh, you know keeping you know averaging, left giving up eleven points a game throughout the year and all that it, it don't happen much anymore, and so you've got to be good enough to let your out your offense outscore people sometimes, and as long as you, again in that type of offense, I think you know if you're not giving up more than twenty one twenty three four points a game, you know you got a chance to win some games. Oh, no doubt. In this day and age, you can average average giving up 24 points a game. You might go 12 and up. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's the – you know, these offenses are just scoring so many points on people. And and, and there's some days that everything clicks. And even when things don't go that well, you know, they still, you know, score 28, 29 points or something, 30 points. And I think that the defensive guys now that can get some turnovers for you and try to change the game some, even though they're giving up yardage, you know, because it's not uh, – they're going to get yardage. These kind of offenses are going to get yardage. But somewhere along, you know, I used to hear these defensive coaches, especially, you know, uh, Frank Beamer, you know, just keep making that offense snap. We're going to get one in a minute. And I think the ones that do that the best are the ones that can can hold – can stand up to the type of offense you run. What do you think about Coach Beamer getting his first head coaching opportunity in the SEC? I mean – uh, I, his name came up in the past for other jobs. I mentioned that he, he wanted the East Carolina job back in 2015. His name right. came up for the ODU job last year. Didn't get it. And lo and behold, now he's in the SEC as a head coach. I mean, that, that's a that's a tough way to get your uh, to get your feet wet as a head coach. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, and, and the thing is, I think it's an awesome opportunity for him. And you can say what you want, but, I mean, you know, you know, Frank Beamer has been a great influence on college football. You know, a name helps you. A great agent helps you. Uh, I think I think he's probably got Jimmy Sexton. I don't know that, but that's who I think coaches was. And he's been in some good football programs. I mean, he 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 started out. I think his first real job was at Mississippi State. I think, and uh, you know, he's he's been able to be at some good programs, working for great people. No matter, but I know this for a fact, no matter how you prepare yourself and when you think you're ready, there's more crap that goes on once you become head coach than you ever thought did, you know? And, and I mean, and, and I've always, uh, I heard before I ever took a head job and I'd say it to somebody now, if you're not ready to make hard decisions, you don't need to be a head football coach. Yeah, no doubt. No, no yeah. question. Uh, speaking of which, uh, hard decisions, hopefully we'll see a, the director of athletics, Ray Tanner, says that they're coming to Greenville coaching 21. So we're hoping that uh, Shane Beamer will see him. And that's actually the, our second game. Okay. Uh, we'll have at Appalachian State. That'll be a bank. Uh, I'm sorry, Bank of America Stadium. We're playing uh, at Appalachian State. We're playing there. Uh, it's, a neutral, it's a neutral field game sure. against App State. Yeah. And then the second game will be 
Um, hopefully South Carolina, the last time we had to play Gardner Webb because they pulled out on us and bought us out. So hopefully they'll come to Greenville and uh, right. we'll be pulling hard. Obviously we're shading other games, but that game we're right. obviously. I understand that. It's, it's just like when I, when I was in South Carolina, we went over there to play Clemson. After I'd played at Clemson, I knew I didn't go in there with the enemy. I had a lot of people want me to do well, but they wanted to kill me too. So I, I understand all that. Yeah, Speaking of uh, Clemson, how um, one of the things that a guy that the guys uh, and I love, uh, Rick Neuheisel, had a great point today, and that is uh, they were not talking about Beamer, but the fact that these these kids that are on the West Coast are coming to Alabama, they're coming to uh, they're coming to Clemson, they're coming to schools like that because they know what I call the made for TV event. Right. Uh, some people call it the college football playoff. Um, I'll call it a playoff whenever they have more than a half a dozen teams. In right. it. But anyway, that's a whole nother show. But you're making, <laughs> but the point, the reason I brought that up is the fact that if you're at South Carolina and you're coaching and you know, you got that guy named Dabo uh, and Clemson and he's getting guys, literally it's a national school now. Um, how difficult is that? I know you've been on both sides. You're like you said, you played at Clemson mm -hmm. and you coached at South Carolina. That's got to be a, that's a tough deal. I mean, you can't be on the fence that one, right? You got to be either a. Well, Clemson I wasn't on the fence that day either. I knew who was paying me, so I, I wasn't on the fence. No, not at all. <laughs> Coach, if, you, if, you, if you're Shane Beamer, in, in my opinion, correct me if I'm wrong, please. But you, to me, you can't worry about Clemson. You got you got to worry about no. South Carolina. You can't worry about what they're doing. And how, yeah. who they're recruiting? You just gotta you gotta recruit your talent guys to fit your system, and hopefully, if you if you get the right guys, eventually you'll be able to beat Clemson. Well, that that's what I was getting ready to say, uh, Kai. If you're recruiting the right guys to your program, and because I mean South Carolina is an SEC program, I mean they ought to be able to recruit anybody that Georgia or Alabama can. They may not get them, but they can recruit them. And if they're if they're recruiting the right guys, they're gonna have battles from all them people. No, yeah, absolutely. That's you know that's that's what I've I've said it before. I think before we started the show, I've I've never understood why South Carolina, except really under uh, under Spurrier and maybe a, few, a couple of years under Holtz, has has just underachieved so much. I mean they they when you look at it, you can't point to why they haven't been no. more successful. Well, I you know I mean I lived in South Carolina obviously, and and then coached there the one year. And like I said, we I think we ended up seven, four, eight, and four and won the first bowl game, whatever. But that's it's a hard job. Um and I can't put my finger on it. I, I never understood it when I was looking at it from afar. Because you know, when I was at Virginia Tech, coming from Blacksburg to Somerville, I you know, I went right around the loop around inside the stadium and you know the turnoffs. And every time I think, why can't they win? You know, and I mean that's a hard job. And the year I was there, you know, we had a pretty good year and and like I said won a bowl game but you know it's just uh I, I don't know what it is it's just been a tough job it's a lot like East Carolina basketball you know we're, we're based in Eastern North Carolina uh, though you know I can always kind of people ask stuff last why can't East Carolina be successful in basketball first of all I think we can but the one reason I've always pointed to was because of ACC basketball we had to compete with Carolina Duke etc and, and you know and again I, I look at South Carolina and, and, you know, yes, they have to compete with Clemson and they have to compete with Georgia, but they don't have a competitive disadvantage. They're in the SEC. So who knows why it is. Part, I think eventually it becomes mental. I, I think it sometimes losing breeds losing. 
Well, it, it does. It does. And, and, but you know, these, these guys that are, I mean, there's guys coming from all over the country now to these schools, yeah, sure. you know, and, and they're going because, you know, they are, you know, they have a chance to play for a contender to play in the national championship game, which, you know, there's probably, you know, uh, eight schools that pretty much every year might have a, a legit shot, you know, maybe, maybe a couple of, a couple more, I don't know. But, you know, when you talk about guys coming to Clemson and, you know, I mean, they've been on the, they've been on in the dance a bunch of times and you can say what you want. Sometimes that recruits, is, you know, the, the, itself there. And South Carolina just, if they just get the snowball rolling and not let the ice melt and, and just let it roll, it may be a slow roll, but uh, you know, they can support a, a great football program. I yeah. think. Bob, have you got anything for coach Bustle? Yeah. And coach Bustle, you, you're talking about the um, tremendous um, experience that Shane has in terms of coaching a variety of positions. Right. Uh, that's one of the things that, um, Coach Tanner, as well as Shane himself, really pointed to as being one of his strengths. And then also having worked under so many tremendous head coaches, in addition to, uh, to, you know, being the son of one of the best to ever do yeah. it, uh, having worked for George O'Leary, Philip Fulmer as GAs, and yeah. then Sly Croom at Mississippi State, yeah. uh, Co Coach Spurrier, uh, yeah. Kirby, Kirby Smart. And then he uh, left his comfort zone, so to speak, um, close to his family there in Athens. And, um, you know, what? He chose chose to go out and expand his uh, knowledge of Lincoln Riley's offense in the last, I guess, what three seasons now. So just, so just talk about that from um, you know someone who's been yeah. a head coach and just having um, having so many um, experiences like that. The biggest thing for Shane, and I know he's done this, and I mean I did it. I think maybe every head coach, especially guys that. You know, you work for different people. You like certain things that certain people, coaches do, and there's some you don't like. And I'm sure that there were things that he didn't like that his dad did at Virginia Tech. But that don't matter. You know, you still, you're, you're still a soldier. You know, you do what you're supposed to do. But you go around to these different coaches, and you pick things that are that you like. You don't forget them. You write them down. You put them in your uh, list of of things that coaches do and so forth. And you try to come up when it's your time, the mixture of what you have seen be successful, but at the same time, uh, you know, re re don't forget your list of things that maybe didn't work. Uh, so, I, you know, I, I, you look out there and Shane's, you know, he's got a little piece of probably every one of the coaches he worked for. And I mean, I was the same way. And sometimes they were just a, maybe a coordinator, you know, you, you just, you absorb those things. And because at some point you want to have to come up with your own philosophy and what you believe in to get a job like South Carolina. Coach, one of the things that, one of the things that uh, I'd heard, uh, I know the guys, I think Bubba had mentioned is that uh, the urban Meyer, uh, there's interest or there was interest in him to go to Columbia. But I think personally, uh, Shane Beamer being this his first head coaching job is perfect because if he can't turn it then you know he the trajectory of the program being going up I, I don't know that the thing that i worry about with urban meyer is you know after a couple of years does he get bored is his health and he's gone and then you got to turn around and, and hire another coach i know people could say well if he turns it around in a couple of years but I, in other words i think shane beamer is perfect because he's young younger 
and he has a chance that uh, if he does something special there, yeah, that he could be the you know the next best thing versus a guy that's going to be there for two or three years and then he's gone. Right. There's a, there's no question in my mind if Shane can get it turned around and get it heading back the direction that it needs to go and and builds his program, it'll be hard for him to leave that football program. Uh, I don't think you know Shane's done his traveling. Uh, he's done his uh, you know uh, whatever you want you know learning from all these coaches and all these places he's been to, and he's closer to home now than he's ever been, and. I think you know if he if he gets it going the right way he he's not going to go anywhere. I, I don't believe I, I believe that. I think a guy like Urban Meyer, you know, you know, why do you leave Florida? Why do you leave Notre Dame? Why why do you leave? You know, they're, they're, that's a different. They're not even two of the same people in my opinion. Shane's going to dig his heels in right there, and he's going to give it a great shot, and I hope he, he can get it done. Yeah, I think Coach Meyer has a short attention span or something. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I uh, Coach Muscle, if you um. If 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 you had Shane on the phone right now, and you could probably get him on the phone, and he's a coach, give me two pieces of advice. One thing I should do, one thing I shouldn't do as a new head coach. What what would those two things be? Well, first of all, you can't please everybody, and that's probably with with any anything. Uh, and as far as the players go, I would never let a, a coach kick one off the field. And the reason why I say that. If he, if they, you know, things happen on the field, and all of a sudden you got an all-American that him and a D-line coach got into it, and he's kicked him off the field, because you know, I, I know Shane, and if a guy ever walks off that football field, he won't be back. And I did the same thing, and I learned that through some coaches and so forth. But that's a, I, I would, if the coach gets that upset with a player, you make him come see the head coach, and he, and if he's a real good player, you ain't gonna lose it. Because that'll happen. I mean, it, it, it happens in high school ball, NFL, nobody – a great player just lead, walks off the football field because him and the coach got into it and all that kind of stuff. And I can, t- I can tell you from experience, uh, I saved two NFL players at Louisiana Lafayette because, because the coach had to send them to me. And I would tell his assistant coaches, y'all don't run anybody off the field. You don't hop, be fussing and cussing and say, get ahead, get, go, get out, get out. You don't say that because they will. They will. And just if a guy's going to be gone, make him go into your, you know, what you believe is right and wrong if he still wants to do it. But I had two guys that would have been off the field and probably wouldn't have been played in the NFL, but they had to come to me first. And by the time I got through talking and selling cars to them and everything else, that, uh, you know, they went back and apologized. But I've seen good players walk off. I had one leave a field. And and he was an all-conference, two-year all-conference player. And I would not let him back. Parents can but that would be two things that you can't please everybody. And, and, and you know, he's gonna have more things to do. And I know he's gonna have help at South Carolina doing a lot of the busy work stuff that he has to do at radio shows, talk shows, luncheons, whatever, all that kind of stuff. But don't get away from the football part of it. Hey now, Coach Bustle, I know and Shane said as much in his introductory press conference that I heard on just talking about what a resource he has in his father and that he'll lean on him heavily and that he'll be very involved in addition to, uh, you know, just spending time in Columbia and Charlotte uh, with the six grandkids. Uh, but um, yeah. there's also been rumors um, about the possibility of, you know, Bud Foster, um, legendary defensive coordinator, sure. in tech um, being involved. Um, could, could you see that being a possibility? Uh, 
I haven't talked to Bud in a little while, but uh, Bud, he, he, he's got a great life right now. I'm going to tell you, every day, every, about, every, about twice a week, I'll see where he's taking pictures off his deck out there at the lake and all that stuff, and uh, he's got his kids around there. Um, I think if, you know, I don't know where Bud is as far as the football part. I mean, I know he, I'm sure he misses it. Um, it I think if, it, if he were to come back, and get back in it, it. I would think it would be under some type of uh, uh, analyst type of deal, not to get tied up in recruiting. Uh, you know, I mean, he might be able to name his own days he works. I don't know. <laughs> you know, he said I can be here Sunday through Thursday, and I'm going back to Virginia for you know for a couple of days, and I'll be back. But uh, as far as full time defensive coordinating and coaching and recruiting, I don't see that. That's just me, and 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 knowing Bud, and we've we've stayed in touch over the years, and. Uh, but I haven't asked him about it, and I talked to him in a little while, though. But uh, I'm sure he misses it. His butt did a great job. What's that? How, how old is Coach Foster now? Uh, golly, I don't know. Uh, I'd say he's upper fifties, sixty. I don't, I'm not sure. Okay, I'll have to. I'm sure Wikipedia can tell me. But uh, yeah, I. I, I I would think as long as he was at Virginia Tech, and yeah, I don't see him coming back as a defense coordinator either. But an analyst, you know, for the right money, that might be pretty hard to turn down. Right. He's sixty-one. That's Jack Yeah. I mean, I I would do something like that myself. I mean, I, you know, I, I'm able to work with these kids at the high school and, and a good football program and all that kind of stuff, and, and win a lot of games. So it kind of gives me my fix a little bit. Uh, but I don't go. I don't have to teach school, and I don't have to. Stay there after practice is so uh, I get my little fix, but because I, I do miss it some. But you know, uh, analyst type of job, I, I've had a couple of discussions the last year or so about to a couple of places about that, and we'll see. Coach, yeah, I had a another friend story. of the podcast, uh, another friend of the podcast here recently, uh, Rick Minner, uh, stepped mm-hmm. back into the college coaching ranks right. uh, to help out Southern Miss as an analyst. Right. Uh, this year with that coaching mess they had down there. So right. uh, I guess it never gets out of your blood. No, it doesn't. Uh, and, I, and I guess my first year out was the toughest because I didn't – I wasn't helping work with any kids um, uh, or anything. I, and I was trying to get a job here and there. And, you know, and, and it was kind of – it was hard. And uh, But then when I started coaching these younger kids, uh, now, and I've had those guys, you know, and, and you don't get paid much money to help them coach, but it's enough to take care of my golf a little bit. And, um, you know, and, and, and all these coaches and principals want me to go over there and student, I mean, not uh, substitute teach. And I'm like, hell no. I didn't like school the first time I went. I ain't going again. So, uh, but they've tried to get me to do that to pay me some more money and all that stuff. But, uh, but I, I do miss it. Uh, and actually, I, I enjoyed the recruiting part. A lot of people don't. And I, I enjoyed it. Uh, it was hard. It was real hard. Um, but that was just something I always liked doing. Coach, speaking of one thing before I forget, I was about to forget it. Uh, my old age is the uh, – re- speaking of recruiting, National Signing Day, Bubba reminded me. It's, what is it, Bubba? It's a week away? Oh, we're getting pretty daggone yeah, close. It's a week from the day, December, yeah. December 15th. Yeah. Yeah. My question to you is uh, when you have Coach Muschamp gone now, which is a coaching change, and you have Beamer, how hard is that uh, for Coach Beamer to come in 
and basically you're coming in with a week before signing day. That's got to be really hard for him. That's really hard. Uh, it's hard enough, you know, when you had the old, the one time signing date in, in what February, that was hard enough to do. And to come in and, you know, have a week or two to, uh, you know, to try, try to, cause I know you, you know, you're trying to, they've, I'm sure they've had some other, they've had verbals and they've got guys committed and, and you know, those are the ones you try to save and, wow. and, and you try to, and you're going to have to try to talk to other guys that were maybe ready to make a decision to not make it. You know, you're not asking them to commit to you. You just saying, don't make the decision this first signing period. Give us, give us a chance, you know? So, I mean, it's tough. It's, it, it would be real tough. Yeah, and I wonder this year, in a way, you know, I think maybe, and I haven't, I haven't followed national recruiting outside of East Carolina all that much to see what the top kids are doing. Right. But nobody's been able to go on visits. Everybody's been right. doing virtual visits. So right. I wonder how many kids are holding out for February, and kind of the, the kids that have committed to South Carolina at this point. Do, do you even bail because you can't go visit anywhere else? Right. I would say that your top kids that South Carolina was on have visited some way, somehow before all this hit as a sophomore, as a junior, yeah. or what have you. Um, a guy that pops up. See, I think it hurts the high school kids always we're going to because they're not being seen like they were a year ago. Uh, but I think they're probably their their top guys. And even even some of their not so top, but are close to the top. I'm sure I would bet they've been on their campus and been around the old staff at, uh, before. So I don't think they're you know they're calling on guys that have never been there, and, and and maybe some out of state. But he but these guys they travel a lot in the summer and the springs. Yeah, sure enough. Coach, as far as uh, South Carolina, I wanted to ask you about expectations. We talked about how hard it is there. Um, I was talking to Bubba. I hadn't had a chance to talk to Kyle, um, the working man. Glad to have you back working, my friend. Um, it's a good thing. And as far as South Carolina is concerned, what's the reasonable expectations for me? I look at it as obviously you're uh, you, you you're going to be a bowl game, uh, have a bowl, chance to win a bowl every single year. Uh, but the chances of um, after that, the chances to win a a Heck, a SEC East championship, if you will, division championship, it's going to be extremely difficult when you have Kentucky's in the world. You have, you look in there, and you, you've got Georgia and Florida are way better now. Yeah. Um, what's the what's some reasonable expectations? Obviously, one day you would love to win a national championship to compete for that, or even an SEC championship like right. Spurrier did. Uh, Bubba and I were talking about that earlier, which I know, but. What, if you were coaching right now uh, and you're talking to Shane, what would you say, hey, this right here is what you need to set the bar at right now, and then later on we can keep – obviously the, the number one goal is to win a national championship, but we know it's not going to be next year. I, I think your, your, your goal, even for next year, because you have to start with some kind of goal, is you, you get, to get to bowl games. You know, you got to get to some bowl games. You can't keep missing bowls. Um, you know, I mean, you start getting bowl. If you got five straight or four straight or three straight bowl games, your program maybe isn't as far as you'd like it, but it's still on a good path. And I think, right. you know, I think that would be the measuring stick, you know, whether it's this year, you know, everybody gets that first year of love, you know, and all that stuff. And, but 
you know, eventually, pretty soon, you know, you got to start saying, you know, we got to get it to a bowl. You know, we got to be able to play in a bowl game and, and, and do it every year. And then somewhere in there, it's just like we did at Tech. I mean, we were playing in bowl games and, you know, an Orange Bowl here or New Orleans Bowl here. Or, I mean, not New Orleans Bowl, but Sugar Bowl here. And all of a sudden, we hit one year, we're in a national championship. You know, then we're after that, we're back to Gator Bowl. And, you know, but that's, I think, because, I mean, when's the last game South Carolina went, or year they went to a bowl game? Been a couple of years? It has. I, uh, I want to uh, say, I'm trying to remember if it was 2018, 2017, or 2018. Obviously, last year, I think they were four and eight, and this year, yeah. they're two and eight. I, I, I think the biggest thing is, yeah, yeah when, you know, there, there's number one, we want to win the conference championship and play in the championship game. You know, living here in Athens, uh, I don't know if it was a year ago, this year, whatever. When they lost, you know, there's there like nothing else to play for, you know. And, and I don't think you want to set it where you get that. I think let's get ourselves to a bowl game, let's be a bowl eligible, and that's hopefully winning six or more, and hopefully we win seven or something to get into a bowl game and do that on a consistent basis because that still shows you are making some kind of progress. You're not letting it progress the other way. Yeah, and when you're coming off of a four-win and a two-win season, mm -hmm. uh, six and six sounds pretty good. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, I mean, you know, yeah, we we want to be better than that, but you know, you get bowl eligible here for a few years in a row, and your foundation is going to get stronger and stronger. It may not be as quick or as big leaps as you'd like, but you're not letting it go. That's where I've seen South Carolina you know, a good year, bad year, good year, two good years, bad year, bad year. You know, keep it going where you're, you know, playing in some kind of bowl. I don't care if it's a toilet bowl. Just go play in there, you know. Um, and then we'll that, take that, Coach. Huh? We'll take that at East Carolina right now. Six true losing seasons. Hey, look, let me tell you something. We're, we're three and six right now. We we won our last two games, including upsetting SMU. And, uh, yeah, I saw that. Uh, and, and the Tulsa game. Don't forget yeah, about well, the Tulsa game. We should have won the Tulsa game. But technically, we could have scheduled three more games. Because we're three and six, and right. you know you can schedule games up to the nineteenth. And I, I was screaming, I, I was screaming at our AD. I was like, "Man, let's get to six and six. Let's get the two FCS games in UMass, and uh, let's, yeah. there you <laughs> let's, go. Let's get to six and six and try to go to a bowl." But unfortunately, we didn't do it. But we did it on a positive note, and and three and six, we can look and say, "Well, damn, if we'd just had three more games, we'd have been bowl eligible." Yeah, exactly. Well, I think for Shane, legitimately though, I mean, we know, you know, we know what their goals are. You, you, you know that they want to win the championship, they want to win the Eastern Championship or whatever it is. But you know, let's 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 build it. You know, build it. No, that's absolutely, what it and I think Shane, will, I think Shane will be successful there. The, the one thing I would I would tell South Carolina fans is, is be patient. Uh, you know, you you, right. you just fired Muschamp. You know, Spurrier kind of left on his own terms. But right. It was after a losing season. But be patient. Uh, Shane's not going to come in there next year and, and go 12-0. and 0, So, Well, so I know those, those fans have been told that a few times. But I really do believe they'll just be patient with Shane. He'll get the right people around him. And they'll start getting the type of team that he wants in there. And it may take him a couple of years. But, but again, let's let's don't take a step back. Let's, let's get in that ball game and – and then start raising that bar just a little bit each year without losing sight of it. If I don't reach it and I still went to a bowl game, we're okay. We just got to keep going. And coach, you're big. 
Yeah, you Coach, I was going to say another thing is you want the, the very fact is you don't want to be that school that said, you know, like, yeah, you don't want to wait 10 years or something right. crazy. But at the same time, you don't want to be that school that say hypothetically give Shane two years and say gone or the, yeah. and then there's another guy for a couple of years and another guy for a couple of years because yeah. you'll never build a successful program. I mean, if you, it's not, they, some people need to realize that we may live in a society that's like a microwave society, but yeah. the fact of the matter is if you're going to build it the way that Shane can, mm -hmm. and I believe will, it, it's going just the same thing with East Carolina, Mike Houston, their fans that yeah. go, oh, my God, three and, you know, four and eight and three and six. And they don't realize that when a program is so low, it's like the the cliche of uh, the foundation of a house. And then you build a program, you know, yeah. just like that with the with um, same thing you will with a house. Well, and, and you're, you're building a program in a high dollar neighborhood. OK, you're not. Building for uh, one of the other conferences somewhere that are smaller in the Sun Belt, or you know, you're having to build a day. You're in a high dollar neighborhood. That's all I can tell you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And coach, and kind of, kind of, um, not not expanding, but you know, to your point, as far as find a way to just steadily improve the program and make a bowl, make another bowl, et cetera, and just stacking solid season on top of solid season uh, while, while progressing toward the, that goal of a yeah. division title and a conference championship, uh, you know, taking a look at uh, coach Muschamp's tenure, uh, his first three years, uh, he went six wins, nine wins, and then seven wins and three straight bowls, but just really wasn't able to, to build on it from that point for whatever yeah. reason. Uh, but his first three seasons, uh, that was his uh, win total was even higher than uh, in in the his first three right. seasons. Obviously, different situation. Just from the standpoint of um, how many of those three bowls did they win? Just one moment, I will. Because uh, that's the thing I was going to say. You know, when you get to the bowl, you do need. You may not win the first one, okay? You know, but you got to win. Because that gives you another step. That's another step. They, um, his first year, you know, they're coming off a three and nine Coach Spurrier's final season. Uh, they went six and seven. They lost in the Birmingham Bowl. All right, year two, they went nine and four. They they won the Outback Bowl, and then year three, uh, they lost uh, in the Belt Bowl and finished seven and six. They got. Um, I was trying to see. Who, they got beat by Virginia, twenty-eight nothing in the belt. Well, again, I'm just thinking like South Carolina that if I get to that bowl, I'm probably not going to play another SEC team, or, or, or a school is big, and I need to win those games. You know, I mean that's again that's all what you're hoping that can happen. But I think that, you know that's part of your building. Like I said, I. You're not just building a program for another tight conference, a smaller conference. You are building one in the SEC. Well, we, uh, Coach, we're going to be pulling hard for Shane. Uh, it may not be the second game of the season in Greenville <laughs> when they come, uh, but we thank a lot of him personally. And if you get a chance to talk to him, tell him uh, that we wish him all the best. And uh, we appreciate your time always. And I hope that uh, we can get you back on soon. Oh, yeah, anytime you want. I always blab. I can blab with the best of them. Come on. <laughs> hey, Coach Bosa, one more thing. Uh, yes, get on the phone with Shane and tell him to do everybody at East Carolina a favor. He's buddies with Ruffin McNeil. Tell him to get Ruffin down to Columbia and get him out of that Wolfpack red. <laughs> I, I, a different I, kind of red. I'll do that. <laughs> okay, guys. Thank you. I'll enjoy hey. it.
Thank you so much. You bet. Uh, Bye-bye. Okay, that's Coach Ricky Bussell. Appreciate him so much coming on tonight uh, to talk about Shane Beamer taking the job in Columbia. That's going to be interesting, guys, and uh, we'll have to see how that goes. Pirate basketball uh, doing very well, 4-0. Very happy again, guys. Only the fourth time in school history. And I know, Bubba, uh, the next matchup with UNF or North Florida is going to be uh, Thursday afternoon. Kyle's favorite time. By the way, Kyle, we Bubba and I decided that you're the one that came up with the idea for 5 p.m. So the rest of the year, every single game is going to be at 5 p.m. That's the Kyle Barber uh, rule. I don't. I don't think Bubba came up with that. Um, I uh, that's uh, that's um, uh, stupid. No, uh, f- five o'clock. Uh, five o'clock tips. I, I want. I, I should have asked Coach Julie about that tonight. Instead, I asked him uh, about uh, playing another non-conference game and. He did explain the ODU situation uh, without saying ODU. He said we were going to play another game Sunday and then decided not to because we would have had to travel on the road and then turn around and travel Tuesday to leave for Dallas. And he thought that it wouldn't give us ample time to prepare for SMU. So that kind of makes sense, traveling to Norfolk on Sunday and then getting home Sunday night, and then you have one day before you have to fly out to SMU on Tuesday. So, uh that, that kind of I, – I get that now. Um, what, we're playing SMU on the 16th. What day is the 16th? Is that Thursday, Wednesday? What day is that? Wednesday. Yeah, Wednesday. so we, okay. Wednesday. Okay, so that makes sense that we would be flying out Tuesday. But uh, that, that was Dooley's answer. He said that we, we do have – he said we have a week in January and a week in February where we don't have a game in conference. So he said we will probably look to schedule a non-conference game one of those two weeks if somebody else is available. So uh, we may get a non-conference game right in the middle of conference play. As, of course, 2020, things are weird. No question about it. It's uh, it's going to be one of those things that will be interesting. But the great thing, Kyle, is we have a chance to go 5-0. and So we have a chance on Thursday afternoon, 5 p.m., 5-0. and And then you have a chance, like Dooley's talking about, that gives you a handful of days to get ready. And then you leave on Tuesday. And then – you play that game Wednesday. If somehow you could get those guys rested and prepared your first conference game. Somehow you could steal that game on the road. Oh, my goodness. I mean, I know that's a tall order. Uh, obviously, uh, they're not going to overlook the UNF game. But, man, oh, man, if you could do that. The schedule is very kind to us uh, the few games after that uh, where those are games that are not like climbing Mount Everest. They're winnable games. It will take a lot to win them. But at the same time, it's not like it's uh, where you can get blown yeah, up. Parity, parity after SMU, right. you get JMU, uh, Tulane, and and a, and a struggling Wichita. So, Tulane uh, uh, yeah, twice for a period of time. It, it would be, you know, hey, look, I'd love to upset SMU, but if we could somehow over these next uh, four games go three and one, and if that only loss was to SMU. Oh my God! Oh, yeah. I mean, you know that'd be yeah. fantastic. But uh, first things up is North Florida. Let's get to five and zero first. That's uh, no question about it, and uh, that's going to be uh, a situation where obviously you don't want to. You feel like you can win the game, um, but the Pirates have got to be consistent, play really good on both sides as far as the, the offensive. North Florida is the Ospreys, right? They're the Ospreys. Ospreys, yeah. Okay, now yep. I got I got a question for you guys. I'm oh, assuming you, when I hear Osprey, I think of I think of a, a, a marine and navy helicopter. A helicopter, right? Yeah. I'm assuming an Osprey really is a bird. 
I believe that's correct. Yeah. Or is their logo a helicopter? I would assume it's a bird. I'm not sure. To be honest. Okay. I'm having to learn about the program, and that's why we wanted to have Coach on to find out more about them. There you go. There you go. There you go. Yeah, it's a bird. It would be cooler if they used the helicopter. You think so? A, a badass military helicopter? Yeah. Are you kidding me? <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of those Ospreys were prone to crash at one point. Yeah. Yeah. They had a time there where they had to, like, literally not, they couldn't do anything. They had them down for, for a good while, for sure. Yep. yep. Hey, Kyle. Well, maybe these Ospreys will crash uh, Thursday. After uh, on the basketball court, let me be clear. Yeah, yeah, I was very <laughs> say, wow. Be clear, I mean, on the basketball court. Kyle Barber is a wanted man. Uh, That's not yeah. what I meant. That's, <laughs> but no, guys, you, you know, we talked about Will Hall's hiring at Southern Miss um, last week when we had um, we had uh, Jamie Arrington on from to the top talk, in addition to uh, Andrew Allegretta, Tulane's play-by-play voice. And then tonight we talked about Shane Beamer's hiring. You also have uh, the ULM and South Alabama. South Alabama, excuse me, those two jobs have come open. In South addition, Alabama? Can... Wait, 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 wait. What happened to their head coach? I guess they just parted ways due to, due to record. No way. That guy, because... gonna, it was just his second year. That was just his second or third year. He had a winning record there this year, didn't he? Yeah, it was at least year three. What was their record, Bubba? They were playing um... good football at one point. Yeah, let's see. Um, since Campbell was in his third year leading the program, and uh, it's not in 26 overall. In his first two years, he went three and nine, two and ten, and they finished four and seven this year. Okay, well, they were in a lot of ball games. Um, yeah, they were much more competitive this year. Yeah, uh, I, I don't know that I wouldn't have given him one more year. I, 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 that's interesting. Um, you know, hey, remember they got it. And not that I disagree with you, but who, who knows um, from afar what should truly happen. Um, but one thing to take into consideration, remember they opened that new stadium this year. So uh, yeah. there's e- even more pressure to win. Yeah, but you're South Alabama. I mean, you have no tradition. You fired your previous head coach who took you to bowl games. Uh, n- now you bring this guy in who was, I believe, a successful FCS head coach. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know what you expect. I, I South Alabama can't start a football program and expect to to go to a New Year's Six Bowl right away. Oh, wait a minute. Um, but uh, I, uh, I, 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 being serious, I mean, I don't know what they expect. Who are they gonna? Who are they going after? I mean, uh, I guess based on record, you can understand the hire, or excuse me, understand the decision to fire him. But uh, it surprises me a little. Um, uh, I'd be interested in who they're going to hire. And uh, Monroe was god awful. I mean, so. Them firing their head coach doesn't surprise me at all. They were, they were about as bad as anybody I've seen. Um, uh, Monroe's had a constant turnover there, though. Again, I, I, I don't blame them for making a change, but you know, what is the right fit at Monroe? But they, that guy, I believe, also was a successful FCS head coach before he went to Monroe. Yes, yeah, hard place to win for sure, um, but. Another reason I wanted to bring up on the coaching changes, uh, I referenced uh, the Will Hall change, and I know we've already discussed that a lot, but the reason I bring it up again is because uh, today I saw, and I sent this to you, I don't know 
if you had a chance to uh, to read it, but his contract uh, was released, and uh, he's going to be making eight hundred thousand a year. It appears, as opposed to what Jay Hobson was making five hundred thousand, which was the lowest in Conference USA. Um, and then uh, his salary compensation, um, excuse me, salary package for his staff, um, salary pool will be, um, I think, two point one million. He ranks third in Conference USA, according to what I read. That's really good. Um, I think Southern Miss hadn't been spending very much money the last few years, uh, so they they've kind of been saving. So I guess they've they've got some to spend now. Uh, hopefully, Will Hall will put together a good staff and get Southern Miss where they back where they should be, competing at the top of Conference USA. Um, now, Bubba, you've got me thinking about the ULM job and the South Alabama job, and I want to know who their candidates are. I uh, um, I'm I'm a coaching search nerd in college football, so uh, <laughs> that uh, that intrigues me, and uh, particularly that South Alabama job. It, it, I I I I still think they pulled the trigger a year too soon. I'd probably given him one more year. Yeah, I've heard. Um, I saw Bruce Feldman, as far as the USA job is concerned, um, saying that uh, that job has already garnered a lot of interest just with the the profile of the Sun Belt Conference. Yeah, uh, it's the Sun Belt. Look, what they did this year. It looks like their TV deal. While our conference TV deals worth a lot more money, they took a lot of the ESPNU spots that, that the American used to have that are now on ESPN Plus. That you know we we took that for more money, um, so they're getting better exposure. The Sun Belt um, took a big step up this year. Um, I, it'll be interesting to see who they hire. I, I that I think both those jobs. I think the USA job. Could potentially be a good job. Mobile's a nice city. Uh, it's a good recruiting area. They got a brand new football stadium, so it could it could garner some some good candidates. Monroe has just been a nightmare. I, I don't know what you do there. Uh, like I said, that guy was a successful FCS coach, if I'm not mistaken, before he went to Monroe. Um, so I, I don't know what you do if you're Monroe. I'd, I my my answer would be probably do something unique. Like uh, maybe go hire a uh, uh, a um, Tamia, my a, a coach, uh, uh, Jesus, uh, coach, uh, the Navy coach, coach to uh, Kenny Matalolo. Thank you. Go um, hey, hire maybe hire his offensive coordinator, something Kyle, like that. Kyle, you should have gone like Mike Houston, Coach Neomot. Because I, I know how to say it, I just couldn't think of his name, Coach Neomotalolo. <laughs> um, uh, I, uh, but you know, maybe they should go hire uh, his offensive coordinator if, if you're. Uh, if you're Monroe, do something unique because uh, I yeah, they, they haven't been able to win traditionally, you know, running standard stuff. Maybe try running the triple option. Hey, another way they could consider, I mean, you know, seeing what, um, what Buffalo and then also Eastern Michigan on the success they had of uh, hiring a proven head coach from a, from a lower level, um, you know, um, a, a D2 or, or D three coach that just that wants to make that jump to Division one. Yeah, and, and, uh, and specifically FBS. Yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, speaking of Buffalo, is somebody going to hire that guy? I mean, what the hell is Syracuse doing? I mean, how many games does he have to win? He had them in the top twenty five last year, didn't he? I mean, if I'm Syracuse, I, you know, I just hit on over to Buffalo and you know just just say, hey, come on, get in the van. I mean. 
good God. I mean, Syracuse football is dreadful. How, how annoying do you think it has to be for Syracuse to look over at Buffalo and see what they're doing? Uh, and uh, definitely a lot. And they have a tradition of football. They're going all the way back to Jim Brown. So, yeah, they, they never, I mean, they, they have a great uh, tradition and a rich history. And, uh, you know, another thing is since they've gone to the ACC, man, uh, they could – I thought they would. I thought it would help them. Uh, I don't know uh, what it's going to take, but anyway, there's a coaching carousel out there, guys, and we'll we'll keep. Uh, Dave, before we go to our interview with Matt Driscoll, the head coach for North Florida, um, finishing our conversation about the Buffalo Bulls. They're four and zero this year, and um, yep, in uh, in those four games, they have scored forty nine, forty two, forty two, and seventy. Uh, so. Uh-huh. <laughs> Uh, and then they unfortunately had a game against Ohio that was canceled, and they have one game remaining that is on Saturday against Akron at two thirty. Five and zero, and wrap up the East. I uh, and, and, and averaging uh, well over fifty points a game. Yeah, and they was either last year or the year before they spent part of the year in the top twenty-five. I mean, it. it, it like I say, I, I'm I'm happy for the uh, I'm happy for old Sunny Buffalo there. Uh, if you if you ever gamble, you'll get that reference. Um, yeah. I, uh, but Sunny uh, Buffalo and Sunny Binghamton, exactly. But uh, if 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 Syracuse doesn't hire that dude from Buffalo, I I don't know what to tell them. I mean, good God! I mean, I think the answer to your problems is right there in the upstate of uh of New York. All right. Well, hopefully we don't have any problems winning on Thursday afternoon at five p.m. Right, Bubba? Yep. Um. On Thursday at 5 o'clock when Pirates are taking on the Ospreys, as we said, and North Florida comes to Menjis. Earlier today, I had the opportunity to sit down with their 12th-year head coach, Matt Driscoll. Um, talk about an energizer bunny. This guy's a lot of fun to talk to. And um, I knew what to expect, in a sense, because I heard an interview that he had done with our, with our buddy Jason Romano with the Sports Spectrum. And I knew he's a heck of a guy and a lot of fun to talk to. And let's go to that conversation with UNF head coach Matt Driscoll right now. East Carolina will be hosting the University of North Florida on Thursday at 5 p.m. inside William Torino Menchie's Coliseum. And right now, very excited to be joined by the 12th-year head coach of the Ospreys, Matthew Driscoll. Coach, welcome into the show. Bob, I'm really, I'm really excited to be on with you. I Obviously, anybody who's associated with Joe Dooley, um, to me, is a good human being because Joe's – one of my favorites go all the way back to our big 12 days at Kansas and Baylor uh, when they used to whoop us. Uh, but the best thing is the last time we played, the Baylor Bears got the victory in the big 12 tournament. Then I took the job here. So I walked away just shaking Joe's hand the last time with a dub. But the problem is the last time I shook his hand at Gulf Coast, he just beat us. <laughs> so uh, he's he's been an incredible uh, friend. Um, we've really bounced a lot of things off each other. And um, I think you guys will understand more and more as this year continues to move forward what he's all about. Because when he took over at Gulf Coast, he was not a builder. He was a sustainer. They hit that home run. They sweet 16 it. They were the darling of everybody. Coach leaves. And now this guy's got to come in. Very, very difficult. Very difficult situation. He handled it with incredible discipline. He handled it with incredible 
uh, uh, the ability to compete and to make tough decisions and obviously had great success. And now you guys are seeing it. And I would term it as you guys are starting to reap what you've stowed. And I know you have the, I think the second most productive team in the country coming back. I know Gardner is awesome. I know Newton is the, the the darling and everybody loves anybody that can score. And to me, Suggs is about as good a dude, uh, master, you know, jack of all, master of none. Um, I love the way he competes. And you're physical and uh, you guys play at a high, high level. So exactly what you've asked Joe to do and bring to your program, um, you're seeing it come to full fruition right in front of your eyes. Absolutely. Um, really, really excited to have Joe Dooley back in Greenville. Um, the previous time he, w- he was at East Carolina in the 90s, um, that, that was during my um, you know, middle school and high school years, and a lot of fond memories of Coach Dooley's time then. I'm so excited when he had the opportunity to come back and um, just I- an- anxiously uh, awaiting to where the program's going, like you're saying, and a- absolutely go ahead. Can I tell you a quick story? My only time I've been to Greenville. Please do. I was a fifth grade teacher, and I was really, really good. The reason was I had a lot of energy. I have a great passion for wanting to help people, and I was the best thief in the building. So all those 30-, 40-year-old veteran teachers that had these beautiful lesson plans, i just take them, tweak them, energize them and man it was like i was hitting home runs when i got married in 94 one of my fifth graders this is a crazy story now when i got married in 94 one of my fifth graders sang at my wedding and another one played the piano a whole new world from uh from aladdin wow. that same that same person ended up being a cheerleader at east carolina Marrying a cheerleader in East Carolina. And guess who he had in his wedding? Mr. Driscoll. So I came to East Carolina and um, uh, uh, was in a wedding of your two of your former alums that were cheerleaders in the, um, it had been in the uh, early 2000s. Um, I guess it would have been, I don't know, sometime in 2000 when I was, at, I think I was at Baylor. So I guess mid 2000s. Uh, whenever that, whenever, whenever a ten-year-old be twenty-five to fifteen years from ninety-two, so like oh seven, maybe somewhere in there, okay. and uh, so that was my only time I've ever been to East Carolina. Wow, crazy story, right? Absolutely, certainly was not expecting to hear hear that. Uh, but uh, Randy, Randy and Bree Velt, if anybody on listening knows them, Randy and Bree Velt. Okay, that's going to be my next question, Coach. Uh, but you talk about your relationship. Uh, you talk about your time at Baylor uh, and how you crossed paths with Joe Dooley there when he was on Bill Self's staff at Kansas you know, for all those years. Uh, just talk about um, you know your background in the business and give us the Cliff Notes version because we want to dive into this matchup with the Pirates. But you know, yeah, I mean, you, you I, ended, I, I'm very unorthodox. I didn't come the way everybody else did. Um, it's a crazy story, but I would tell you this, it was all built. All of it was built on relationships. And if you don't embrace where your feet are planted and you're always trying to find the next job, you'll never be successful. But if you embrace where your feet are planted purposefully and treat, treat people, treat others the way you want to be treated, 
then it's amazing how it all comes to full fruition. The best example would be when I was an assistant in 97 at Laramie, Wyoming. We took the Clemson job, and my athletic director was really, really upset with us, really upset. We had a 10-year contract on the table. Coach Shiat had to take the ACC job. And me as an assistant, I mean, it was the best thing for my family. He offered me a ton of money to be an assistant. He offered my wife a ton of money to be a cheerleading coach. I said, Coach, our lecturer was a football coach. I said, Coach, I can't do it. I got, I, I, I got to go. I got to go. Of course, Joe was it. Joe worked for the same guy I'm talking about, and he was upset with me. But I tell our guys, don't ever burn a bridge. But you might disappoint. But if you're truthful, then it doesn't matter. And, of course, after time, how about this one? That same AD that was really upset with me in 97, he's the same. And actually, he was 98 when we left. He's the same AD that hired me here in 09. So, again, you know, as you go through this life, it's all about relationships. Getting to Baylor was all about uh, – and, 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 um, what do you call that when you run it? An acquaintance in a bar in Minnesota at the final four. And I don't mean, I don't drink. We were actually having a coaching convention meeting at the basement of this bar. And that's how I met coach Drew. I thought he was Bryce. I thought he was the one who made the, you know, made the shot. Yeah. That's how, that's how off I was. But then I go to Valparaiso cause we just got fired. And then the Baylor scenario happens. We take over a murder. Everybody said it's a professional suicide, but my heart and my Lord, Jesus Christ said, no, this is the right thing to do. And that's what we did. But a bing, bada, boom, five years later, we're in the NCAA tournament, greatest turnaround in history. And then now they're the number one team in the country. So there's a lot, there's a lot of great stories to go along with my, my journey. But that's it in a nutshell. Okay, but you're in your 12th season now in Jacksonville at UNF. Crazy, crazy. So just talk about the program that you guys have had the opportunity to build there. Um, you know, I know you've won 20-plus games three times in the last six seasons. And, um, and you know, you've been the A-Sun Coach of the Year and the A-Sun for, uh, for people who follow college basketball very closely. You know, Liberty, 30 wins last year. T- tremendous program there with Coach McKay. You there, Bubba? Yes, sir. Yeah, Liberty, Liberty, um, uh, Lipscomb. You know, the consistency, so to speak, um, um, of, you know, kind of what the league's looked like over the last several years. I'll give you a great nutshell. First five years, we averaged 212 made threes a year. The last six years, we've averaged 347. So we figured it out. We figured out what to do. Um, um, we figured out how we can compete based on how our non-conference is going to look and the fact that, you know, we have to figure, you know, winning doesn't matter who you beat. Winning builds confidence. And it's, and it's hard for us to get that confidence when you do what we have to do. Um, and that's, that's life. I mean, it's just the way it works. So um, 347 made threes a game. And, now, like, you know, everybody, you know, the world's coming to an end because we're 0-6. 
our best returning player, the only starter off last year's team, hasn't played the last three. We've already played three ACCs. We just had our first home game last night against the Conference USA team. Everybody who plays University of North Florida, probably much like Liberty and Lipscomb, they can't wait to beat us because we've won so much and everybody talks about us. So those are the kind of things that these group of players who, how about this one? We only have one dude that's playing that's ever played more than, that's, that's not injured. Carter would be the other one. Here's a stat for you. We have two dudes on our 13-man roster that have played more than one year of Division I basketball. Two guys. So these dudes are getting a, an awakening. And because of our tradition, because of our culture, because of our success, they're also getting a taste of, like, people, they, they want to beat you because you're wearing this name, which is kind of cool that we've built it to this in 12 years. So it is what it is. We'll come in Thursday. We know what we're up against. We know the physicality. We know the size. We know the way Joe coaches and the way in which he commands and demands. We understand how great Gardner is. We understand how much you guys love Newton and he can score that thing. And we understand, in my opinion, I love Suggs and what he does. And, you know, Joe's got this thing where it needs to be. He's come in, he's set the tone, he's set the precedence, he's built it, and now you're older. I think you have the second greatest, most productive team in the country returning next to Texas. So when you're older, you win, just like we did the last two years. We, you know, we finished fourth or better seven straight years. So you talk about consistency. Well, how do you do that, you know, when four years ago, Back-to-back -back years, you were 4-23 and in a non-conference against Division I opponents. So you got to continue like Joe's doing, helping these guys understand that now you're 4-0. you got us coming in at 5 o'clock on Thursday. So you just continue to help these guys. So now when they get to that next phase, which obviously league play for you, now you're a different animal. Now your perspective is different. Now the way in which you walk, the way in which your chest, the way in which you think because you've had some success and you look back at, oh, that's what coach meant. Oh, that's what coach meant. Oh, that's what coach meant. Because nowadays kids, when you tell them or you try to show them, it just doesn't equate until the reality of getting punched in the face and like, oh, so that's what that looks like or that was what that means. So... It is like that's who we are. That's what we've built. And we've got another challenge ahead of us. Bubba, you can never, I don't I don't like to use the word, but I am in this case. You can never, ever, ever be successful unless you have opportunity. And when you get it, like Lincoln says, I will be prepared and perhaps, perhaps my chance will come. You can never have success without opportunity. However, if your preparation isn't in line, then if those two, that's all you need. Preparation, opportunity, that's all you need to be successful in life. Preparation, opportunity, preparation, opportunity. Well, how can I get that up? Be prepared. Work. Because work gets you profit. Talk gives you poverty. It's the way it is. Coach, you referenced um, Carter and that, that being Carter Hendrickson. 
17.3 points a game, a little over five rebounds per game, uh, leads the team in three-pointers made. So talk about what he's meant to your ball club this far in the season he's had uh, up to this point. Well, I, I think the biggest thing is he's learned that the bullseye's on his back. He was kind of in the aftermath. He was in a rearview mirror. They were more worried about those four seniors that we had that were amazing players and amazing human beings. Well, now he's the guy. So he's understood that. He's done a really good job coming into the season with that in his head and, and what that'll look like. And also, too, leading these dudes of inexperienced cats. Talented, but inexperienced. So Carter's done a really good job from a leadership standpoint. But when you're out and you're hurt, and now you're not traveling because of COVID, now he can't be in the locker room. He can't be on the bench. He can't do some of those things while we're on the road that these young people need or that he got when he was feeling that way, when he was a freshman. And he thought he should be playing more behind a guy that was averaging the way that's playing at Providence. But so he has that experience, that schema, and he's got to be able to articulate that to these guys so that the pictures are much better when it comes from him than it is comes from a guy with 34 years experience or a staff with 130 years of experience. Coach, you talk about guys on your roster having to grow up fast with the baptism by fire early on with this very challenging schedule. Uh, junior Josh Endicott and then also Dorian James, and they look like they've um, really stepped up um, thus far and they've played some good basketball. Well, you know, when you look at Josh right now, he's our leading returning scorer from last year because Carter's not playing. You know, and you talk about those guys were sitting there. Think about this. Those guys won 20-plus games last year in a championship. So they're sitting there watching those other guys saying to themselves, I should be out there. I should be out. Well, guess what? Now you're out there. So it's different because you're playing now 25 to 30 minutes. You're trying to lead these guys. Guys don't know what they're doing yet. You know, guys don't understand. We were doing really well coming out of boot camp two weeks into six weeks of preseason practice in October, and then we lost 14 days to quarantine. And we regressed quickly. So then we come out of that, and then you start playing. Now you can't practice. So these guys, I've asked Josh, Dorian, uh, besides Carter, obviously, Jose and EA, like, like you've got to do an incredible job, Ryan Burkhardt. Like, these guys don't understand. You've got to be that voice. And, and that's, Bubba, where Josh and Dorian, and, and I'm proud of, you know, statistically, but you score 74 against High Point, you should win. You score 77 against FAU, you should win. So scoring's not the issue. We got to defend and rebound. And you talk about playing the likes of, you know, Miami, Florida State, NC State, and so you've seen tremendous uh, LinkedIn athleticism, and uh, you've kind of already referenced uh, what Joe Dooley's ball club brings in that regard. Yeah, and then, you know, it, it, by the time we get to the league, it's pretty pretty obvious we've never not seen anything, if that is a, a grammatically correct. Um, it, you know, length, uh, pressing, which we can't simulate, quickness, um, you know, big-time shooters, big-time low-post guys, uh, guys that play really physical and just bump you on everything you do and yada, yada, yada. So 
what Joe brings to the table, yeah, Florida State is about as physical as anybody. Miami was physical. NC State was physical. Eastern Kentucky was physical. High Point was extremely efficient in attacking us. So, and then FAU last night, they had a lot of pieces they kept on throwing at us, so they kind of gave us a bulk. Like, Florida State gave us a bulk. Like, they were like fresh dude after fresh dude after fresh dude. We don't have Carter Hendrickson, but we got a chance with less than eight to go to get a kick out three to cut it to eight. Now, the score doesn't indicate that. So, we try to help our guys understand that. With Joe's length and his ability to play multiple guys in multiple places and to be physical, to rebound the ball at a high level like his teams have always done, um, to play at the rim and, and to get to the free throw line, which we haven't done a very good job of. I mean, those are things we've seen. But Joe's like the next challenge because – not only does he understand who he has, he also has a great feel who we are because he's coached against us for so long. Coach, is this something moving forward? I know you may or may not be able to talk about this. Do you, do you think um, you can see these two programs, um, you know, be meeting fairly fairly consistently during uh, December moving forward? I would love it. I would. I would absolutely love it. Um, they're just going to have to give us more money, hopefully. Uh, but but I yeah I, I I would love it because again it's a great it's a great prep for us it's a great challenge to be on the road um, and also too you're playing against a team that you can't simulate some of that stuff um, so yeah I'd, I'd love for Joe um, uh, to continue this that would be awesome coach we really appreciate your time this morning I appreciate your passion for the game and what you do and uh, we, we'd love to have you back on the show down the road. Sounds great. Thank you, Bubba. Thank you. Wow, what a uh, – I, I swear I thought that was Nate Ross, Bubba. <laughs> yeah. The, Our good friend I, of the I podcast. Couldn't my, I couldn't put my finger on it, Dave, but you you hit the nail on the head there. Uh, he does sound a lot like Nate Ross. But, hey, what did I tell you? Um, Coach Matt Driscoll, so he's um, certainly an energizer bunny. No question about it, and I uh, appreciate Coach coming on. And, you know, that's what we try to do on this podcast, on this show, is give you uh, previews not only for football, but for basketball and baseball. And this guy that I'm talking with right now that's on the show with me, co-hosting uh, Bubba and I, uh, I tell you what, I appreciate you doing very much. I try to say it as much as I can on the air. I try as well off. Um, but that's a perfect example of he went out, got the coach on of uh, who the Pirates are playing on Thursday afternoon to give you a little taste uh, what it's going to be like at Williams Arena at Menji's Coliseum Thursday afternoon again, 5 p.m., and that's on ESPN+. Plus. So you're going to have to invest in ESPN+, Plus. Uh, certainly the ESPN platform, uh, no doubt, and uh, very happy to have that. As Bubba put it up on the screen, if you're listening, again, it'll be on Thursday afternoon, ESPN+, Plus, and our good friends, obviously, with Cy Seymour and uh, Jeff Charles, the voice of the Pirates, and that is – of course, with the uh, Learfield IMG College and uh, the Pirate Sports Radio Network. So you can listen to them. I'm sure it'll be 4.30 airtime on Thursday afternoon. It's going to be a great game. And, uh, man, I'll tell you one thing. When I heard uh, Coach Driscoll there, I thought, Bubba, man, maybe you and I should uh, suit up if we had eligibility. <laughs> uh, he was getting me all fired up here uh, late in the evening. We're doing this show live. And, uh, 
both of us have been up a long, long time with our families. But uh, thank you, Coach, very much. It should be a great matchup. And uh, Pirates are going to have to uh, – tell you one thing. As energetic as that coach is, you know that team is going to come prepared, and you know they'll be ready to knock off the Pirates. And Pirates at 4-0, Bubba, if somehow you can win against uh, the Offspring. Uh, they're UNF, then you're 5-0. and Then you have a few days, like I talked about earlier in the show, you can get the chance to prepare for SMU, but you don't l- overlook this team uh, for sure. No, you, you better not overlook North Florida. Yes, they're 0-6, but um, this is a program kind of very much like Radford that's, that's used to winning. Right. Uh, so, so, yes, they're struggling right now, uh, but um, – They've had an extremely challenging schedule playing the likes of right. Miami, Florida State, and NC State. Uh, uh, a lot of folks would struggle with those three teams. And so um, hopefully we will come out, um, you know, with our hair on fire, much like we did against UNC Wilmington. Uh, and uh, except this time uh, we'll play well coming out of the coming out of the locker room. You know, you're going to have you're going to have um, runs because um, basketball is a game of runs, but you, you got to find a way to put an end to it and uh, and not contribute to it uh, the, the way we did. Uh, a lot of a lot of those uh, were things that UNC Wilmington did, but uh, we certainly uh, threw gas on the fire uh, with some of the turnovers we had. Uh, like Coach Dooley referenced in the post game, as well as on his radio call-in show tonight, uh, way too many live ball turnovers that led to easy opportunities for the Seahawks. No doubt about it. Appreciate Coach uh, coming back. And I said, you're three, man. This is looking great. And uh, we'll, we'll keep it up and do what we can. We're talking ECU hoops right now. And uh, there's so many people, Bubba, we say it a lot, but so many people that are fantastic people behind the scenes. And we're glad that it's translating now, uh, certainly on the hardwood and uh, on the court. And, you know, uh, stranger things have happened in 2020. And uh, we'll just uh, keep our uh, – it sounds like coach speak, Bubba. We're going to take one game at a time. <laughs> uh, but we'll focus on the Osprey. And uh, do you have a uh, prediction, by the way? I don't even know. Is it – What's the, have you heard the line? I have not. I'll, I'll try to check that right quick. I don't, I'm not okay, sure. I, have, I've been, I was going to ask you that earlier this afternoon, and I, and I just realized I forgot. So a lot, a lot of times with basketball, they'll come out at the last minute since that game's not until Thursday. Uh, Right. Just one moment. Uh, let's see. There, there is no line, uh, at least not on the app that I have right now. Um, okay. my, my guess is with um, with their struggles and with our um, with our success, I would guess that uh, if if we've been a you know ten to eleven point favorite these last couple games for the most part, uh, that we will probably be about a I don't know, 14, 15 point favorite, if if not more. Right. Um, but but um, hey, the way they can shoot the basketball, you never know. They made 15 threes, even though they lost 79 77 to uh, FAU. FAU, uh, I think, has been fairly solid in recent seasons. And um, 15 threes last night against FAU in Jacksonville for UNF. So. We got to come out and you know, use our link to our advantage and uh, really defend that three-point line and uh, make them uh, make them put the ball on the floor and and uh, score in another way. And uh, I, I really think that that we'll do that. And you, you take a look at our defensive numbers thus far. We're just giving up about about excuse me 62 points per game, and um, 
re- really doing a solid job defending the three. Uh, I don't recall the exact percentage opponents are shooting. I, I want to say the Pirates are um, shooting in the upper 30s and the opponents are in the upper 20s. It's going to be crazy, man. Uh, certainly crazy. And, uh, well, another, and again, it's a shame that uh, we can't have fans right now or, you know, like the thou- a few thousand or whatever that would go on Thursday afternoon. But uh, we'll get through the season and obviously. Uh, we'll focus on as long as we can see it on an app, uh, on definitely a network, on certainly listen to it on the radio. Uh, then hey, we'll we'll take it. Uh, certainly uh, get a big win. Bubba, do you have anything before we go? Yeah, um, as you see there, um, just join us after the game uh, for overtime. Right. Um, we'll, we'll take a look back at the North Florida game. Uh, hopefully. The Pirates will move to 5-0, and and uh, we'll, we'll have fun talking about another Pirate victory uh, as we begin conference play um, the next time out against SMU on Wednesday the 16th. All right, that'll be Thursday night, so probably I would say in the uh, – definitely the at least the 8 o'clock hour because we'll have the post-game uh, comments from Coach and all that. We'll have all that too. Uh, certainly, uh, that'll definitely be after the game – on Thursday night. Bubba, buddy, appreciate you uh, definitely again uh, for lining up the guests and uh, certainly another great show. Appreciate Kyle from LaGrange Barber. Appreciate him very much. He had to go to bed because he's got to get up early. He's been recovering from COVID-19 and we appreciate uh, Kyle very, very much. Bubba, hope you and Stacy feel better and uh, get better, my friend. And until next time, you've been watching and listening to the unofficial podcast of the Pirates. That's the sports objective. Good night, everybody. Go Pirates!